Hi there, Selena Kulkani here with another episode of the Freedom Warrior podcast. Uh, it is my job each week to share with you the strategies, expert interviews and people's stories around the topic of wealth and financial freedom. I'm really excited about this episode today. Um, I really want to unpack for you some of my views after having studied the subject of investing and wealth creation for the last 20 odd years. Um, I specifically want to talk to you about um, you know, what is it that is required to succeed as an investor, even when the market is declining? So look, for those of you who want to learn more about financial freedom through alternative methods, please head over to my website, freedomwarrior.com.au, where you can access my library of articles, interviews and programs to help you on your journey to becoming financially free. Now let's get on with the show. So I have made a couple of notes here today, um, just so that I don't do this, uh, you know, I do this in a bit more structured way rather than meandering as I tend to do. And, you know, really the question that has come up for me um, through a series of discussions with various clients over the last probably three months is how do you position yourself defensively when the market turns to custard? Um, you know, there's no question there's some dark clouds on the horizon. Um, I've said that before. However, um, I think the reality is because the types of interventions and the experience that governments have right now, uh, it puts them in a unique position of being able to pull different levers to make different things happen. You know, there's a lot of people out there saying it's all doom and gloom. Um, there's a lot of people out there saying that the market is going to tank. Um, and to be perfectly frank, there's, there's people out there who, who I personally regard as very sound economists who are spouting off all, this, you know, all these ideas about what they see happening in the market. But the reality is, um, you know, the government could come out of left field with a reform or a legislative change or some support mechanism, which totally like counteracts um, anything that happens in terms of fractures in the economy. So I think the reality is you, you just can't crystal ball gaze. You can't accurately say that this will or won't happen um, in the future. Like for example, you cannot say categorically that the property market is going to tank because you, you simply don't know what measures are going to be taken to sort of counteract that. Um, if things were left to, you know, normal open market conditions, then yeah, maybe, maybe the market would tank. But I think um, the game that an investor needs to play isn't trying to predict what will happen. It's actually trying to um, position yourself defensively so that regardless of what happens in the market, you are protecting what you have and positioned to exploit opportunities as and when they arise. I think there's a number of attributes that I would talk about um, in relation to, you know, how to thrive in a declining market. Um, but I think the first thing is really just getting your house in order. So number one, um, the number one rule of thumb for, you know, positioning for a, you know, a potentially a very turbulent time is keep sufficient cash reserves on hand. I think when we're in our younger or our earlier days of investing, um, or even if we're just a bit of a, you know, a risk taker, 
we can have a tendency to push to the limit. And I, I know I've certainly done that in the past where, you know, I've kept minimal cash reserves on hand with the view that, you know, I can do better in the market. The opportunity cost of keeping cash reserves on hand was just too high. Uh, and I think during boom times, you know, perhaps you can get away with that. But I'd, I'd certainly be encouraging people to look at keeping, you know, at least three to four months of living expenses on hand uh, if they can, um, in order to protect against any, you know, major area of turbulence. There's no question that what's happened during 2020 has kind of come left of field in a way, although a lot of people were predicting a market reset, an economic winter, all those things because we'd had such an amazing bull run. You know, I don't think anyone could have really predicted that COVID would hit and that it would have the impact, the global impact that it's had. Um, so, you know, for some people who've been caught off guard, um, not having enough cash reserves has really been, you know, a super painful lesson. Uh, and certainly if you're in a position to correct that now, I, I highly, highly recommend. I think the second thing I would say is, um, you know, one of the ways to position defensively in a declining market is to make sure that you hold enough investments that generate cash. You know, n not all of us have gone down the path of, you know, purchasing investments that deliver good cash flow. But for anyone who's really serious about creating wealth over the long term, now more than ever is the time to be thinking about, well, you know, are my investments going to serve me? Are they generating enough cash to at least hold their own, if not put money in my pocket? The third thing that I would say is, it's really important to be tracking the lending on the credit environment. I think that says a lot about what's going on in the economy. You know, the banks are amongst some of the most conservative and um, I would say behave in a very selfish way. And so if you can track what's happening with the banks, I think that's a really great barometer for keeping track of what's happening in the market. Um, if the banks are you know, freely giving away loans or it's not that hard to get loans, I think that's a sign that their research and their confidence is very high. If lending is becoming more challenging, um, you know, if it's becoming, you know, more and more challenging to get loans across the line, if the paperwork required, if the, you know, the, the things that you've got to satisfy uh, go up, the number of, you know, things that you've got to tick off go up, then, you know, that's another sign that, you know, maybe the banks are feeling a bit nervous and, you know, there's no question that the property markets are very much driven by the availability of credit. So I think keeping an eyeball on what's happening in that space, whether or not you intend to borrow, is actually a really useful exercise. The next thing that I'd say is that this is a time um, more than any other time to be thinking about offloading investments that don't serve you. Now, I said before, um, you know, holding enough investments that generate cash. But in spite of that, you know, as an aside, if you've taken the strategy of I'm going to invest in um, capital assets that have a primary focus on rising capital values and I'm happy to bear the cost of negative cash flow, 
but you're looking down the barrel now of potentially not having either the capital growth or the cash flow. I think it's time to really kind of make some hard decisions about whether those investments serve you. Now, if you're in the luxurious position of earning a high income and you feel you can carry those investments, then by all means, feel free to do that. But for the vast majority of people, for the average mum and dad investor who is really using property as a means to create an asset base for themselves, it's really important that you don't overextend yourself. And now more than ever is a time to be thinking about, you know, have I overextended myself? What can I do about it? Um, you know, nobody likes to sell under duress. I totally get that. Um, but sometimes if you project forward, you, you also account for the sleep at night factor and the stress, um, then sometimes selling does in fact make sense. You know, there are lots of people who believe you should purchase investments and never sell. And, you know, I would argue that I think that's old fashioned knowledge and old fashioned wisdom. Um, the idea around investing is to create a portfolio of assets that actually serve you. And if those investments stop serving you, it's really important to, um, you know, really think about the impact of holding and what that's doing to your lifestyle. You know, there was a, a point in time, maybe 20 years ago, when that wisdom came to the fore, which is never sell, buy, 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 never sell. And, you know, in a rising market, I can see why um, people had that philosophy. But I also think that um, we're a country that's gotten a little bit drunk on the idea of making wealth through, you know, capital growth. And many of us have been prepared to tolerate fairly negative or, you know, poor cash flowing returns in order to achieve that. And, and you know, don't get me wrong, there's been a plenty of people who've become millionaires over the last 20 years as a result of that philosophy. What I'm saying to you now, though, is given where we are, it's a time to just take stock. Um, there's a great expression, I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact language, but it's something along the lines of in a rising you know, in a rising tide, all turds float to the surface. And the, the, um, the context in which I've, I've heard that used is that, uh, you know, in a rising market, it almost doesn't matter if you make a bad investment, everything will rise. But um, yeah, when, when the tides turn, um, that's often when you're, you know, you're left high and dry. Um, in a turbulent market, certainly, um, you know, not all properties are going to be successful. Um, so yeah, just in, in summary, I think, you know, in spite of the mentoring and advice and wisdom that you may have received till now, if you are really struggling and in financial pain and really looking to understand how to position to not only survive, but thrive in a declining market, then you need to look very intently at each of your properties and work out whether or not it's, it's serving you. I guess leading on from that, you know, one of the things that I would say is, you know, thriving in a declining market is about recognizing that it's not the time to be chasing or relying on capital growth in the traditional sense. Um, you know, I think, as I said before, I think we're a nation of people who rely heavily on the capital growth, even in commercial real estate where often people purchase for cash flow. Um, 
you know, there's an element of requiring those assets to grow over time because the cash flow isn't terribly exciting. You know, even in commercial property where you might have a gross yield of six to eight percent, an income stream of six to eight percent in comparison to residential property, which can kind of average three to five percent um, before expenses, I might add. Um, you know, it, it's a pretty dismal amount of cash flow. And then you take out your holding costs and your loan costs and all of that, and, and you're really not left with a whole lot. So I think one of the things to be mindful of when you're thinking about new investments to undertake is there's a lot of people out there saying, buy, 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 no matter what, property will always go up. And, you know, if you take the long-term view, then that is certainly true. But if you're looking to position in a way that you'll be very comfortable over this next block of time, regardless of what happens in the market, I would suggest that I would not personally be getting into deals where I'm heavily reliant on growth in the future. Um, I want to position myself in a way that doesn't, um, you know, require me to keep pumping and working in order to support my investments. Um, I'm at a, an age and a point in my life where I want the balance between my investing and my lifestyle to be, you know, fairly healthy. And I certainly don't feel you can do that if you're chasing capital growth. You know, and I think the, the ultimate upshot of a lot of this is now is the time to be focusing on how to increase your cash flow, recognizing that we can't crystal ball gaze. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. Um, property could go up, down, sideways. Someone will be right. Um, but if you can find investments which deliver good cash flow, where the capital growth, if and when it happens, is a bonus or where you have a capacity to create forced appreciation as opposed to organic natural capital growth as a result of a rising market, they're the investments and the strategies that are going to put you in a position where you can um, basically swim um, along with the flow of what's happening economically and not put yourself in a position of too much stress. In my world, um, and the investors that I work with, it's all about finding the opportunities where I can get cash flow. I'm not heavily reliant on capital growth. I'm not reliant on, um, you know, I, I'm not concerned about massive economic turbulence because these are properties which people want to live in that are affordable housing that um, are not really going to experience much up and down over the next 6, 12, 18 months and, you know, which if anything are, are negatively correlated to what happens in, you know, the rest of the market and economically. So, look, I think um, really I'm just scratching the surface of it, but, you know, I think positioning yourself defensively is super, super important in the next 12 months. If you think about strategies and um, tactics as, as falling into defensive and offensive, um, you have to play defense first right now. You can't be out there. Um, you can't be motivated by FOMO. Um, it's a great tactic used by lots of educators to try and get you to continue to buy. But FOMO 
um, is something if you if you know that you're susceptible to FOMO, I'd be hosing that right back right now and focusing on how do I position defensively? How do I look after the assets that I already have? How do I protect my income and all of those sorts of things? So anyway, I, I, I hope my meandering thoughts have been useful. Um, I'd love to say thanks very much again for listening to the Freedom Warrior podcast. And just a few things before you take off. Um, firstly, if you enjoy this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to avoid missing out on future episodes. Also, I'd really appreciate if you could rate and review my podcast just to help more people find it. Also, each week I've been sending out a unique newsletter where I share with you some of the most interesting, interesting things I've found through the week um, in relation to financial freedom. Could be an article, a favourite product, an interview and so many more things. And finally, if you're interested in fast-tracking towards being financially free, I run a series of programs where I can help put you on the path to generating a significant six-figure passive income through investing. If you're interested in learning more, please head over to freedomwarrior.com.au to find out if it's suitable for you. Till next time, see you on the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Warrior podcast and a few things before you take off. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on future episodes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could rate and review my podcast to help more people find it. Also, each week I send out a unique email newsletter where I share some of the most cutting edge and interesting things I've found during the week to help you on your journey to financial freedom. And finally, if you're interested in fast tracking towards being financially free, please check out my programs where I help you get onto the path of generating a significant six-figure passive income through investing. If you're interested, head over to freedomwarrior.com.au to find out if it's suitable for you. Till next time, take care. See you on the next episode and bye for now.